This week's episode of the Vel News Podcast is presented by PowerTap, makers of the new P1 pedals, power meters. I love these things. You can take them from one bike to the next. You can travel with them. They're just a great power meter. Spencer, what do you have to say about these amazing, uh, this amazing product? They're great pedals for the off-season, you know, because they don't have a rider weight limit. So uh, yeah. could be could be useful to have, and you get you back in shape that way. But yeah, they're super easy to use. You can install them with an Allen wrench. PowerTap P1 pedals. Thanks to them for presenting this episode of the Velo News podcast. And if you want some more information, you can go to Cyclops.com/newsletter or PowerTap.com/newsletter. On with the show. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Vel News Podcast. I'm Fred Dreyer. I am joined today by Spencer Paulison. Spencer, we're back. I don't believe the good listeners have heard our voices since the Las Vegas podcast, perhaps. Uh, we apologize for going on hiatus. We were covering cyclocross races and stuff. It was busy. Yeah, it was a busy couple of weeks here. We got uh, the US Cup CX Series yep. underway on the East Coast. And uh, I went out to Grinduro as well for Ooh. a little bit of a quasi-vacation. Did you grind or did you duro? Mm, good question. Mm -hmm. I think when I got two flats on the day before, that was when I was getting grinded by, by the course. But uh, You have a through. nice little video up on velonews.com about your experience at Granadero as well. Yeah, check out actually on our, on our Facebook. That's probably the easiest place to find it. Posted that up there. A little uh, quick vlog, as they say. Vlog, maybe. And uh, But... So it's just you and me, huh, Fred? Yeah, you know, we are uh, going to continue on with the Velenus podcast here, but um, we are going to be bidding adieu to our third host. Third wheel. Third wheel. Mr. Kaylee Fritz. Uh, he I, has, I'm the third wheel, I think. He I has moved wheel. on from the Velenus podcast. We wish him the best of luck in his greener pastures. So today we have a mystery host. Uh, he is a man we found riding a horse wearing chaps and a cowboy hat out front. Uh, a cowboy named um, Dalton Wilcox, I believe is his name. Wait, no. Oh, wait, no. It's, it's, it's Alex House. I think my new name is the new Kaylee. Uh, I like <laughs> it. The new Kaylee. New Kaylee. Fresh Kaylee Fretz. Fresh Kaylee for this week <laughs> is Alex House, fresh off the 2017 road season. Alex, how are you feeling right now? I mean, are you like in full chill mode? Uh, kind of. Um, I've been doing a lot of administrative things, trying to uh, legalize myself in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, I've also adopted the average American um, fitness routine, which requires 15 minutes of activity every day. So I'm actually feeling pretty good. Are you eating the pyramid, you know, the diet pyramid? Yes. That good? Uh, I think there's like three loaves of bread and two, <laughs> two gallons of yogurt uh, every mm. day. Or milk, whole milk. Could whole, be good. whole milk. I, I don't like milk, so yeah, the two gallons of yogurt. It's good for your bones, cyclist bones. Could be a little, a little weak just from no impact. Even. That's true. No impact. Alex, I, I am a, a diligent follower of your Instagram. <laughs> and um, I, I got to ask you, you've mounted an axe to anything lately? I mean, you mounted the axe to your bike a few months back. What Has the hatchet slash axe been mounted to any of your uh, uh, devices? No, it hasn't been mounted, but we, we did use it to get through a, a trail up, on, uh, up by Ned the other day, mm -hmm. which may have ruined the truck. Uh oh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, do doing not, a little wheeling, doing a little wheeling, but it was all in the name of trying to get to mountain bike trail, which we didn't get to. 
That happens. Yeah. Well, if and you also s- there's another road. If goes. you see a broken truck on the side of the road with a hatchet mounted to the front, uh, call up Alex. I'm sure it's for sale. <laughs> All right, guys, we need to get to it because we have a very packed show. We need to talk about the Tour of Lombardy, Lombardia, which wrapped up this weekend. Really exciting race. Uh, Vincenzo Nibali descended to glory. Holy cow! Did you guys watch the clip of that guy going downhill? It's classic Nibali. I. Peak nibbly, I might even say. It might even be peak nibbly. Yeah, elbows out to the side, just head down, smashing it. Yeah, clipping the corners, just shaving off his uh, his arm hair on the on the little Italian walls that are right up next to the road. I I don't know. Yeah. Pretty hairy. I, I mean, to be fair though, I don't want to bag on Pinot, but yeah. Oh, yeah. It was kind of like... A light May- looks a little brighter in the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of descending, that was like the Mayweather versus McGregor of descending, where it's just like one guy is just so outmatched. And you're, I was cheering for Pino. I was like, come on, buddy. Like, hey, yeah, look at you. You you stayed on his wheel through that swooping left-hander. Oh, and the gap is up to 10 seconds now. And so, you got to give Pino some credit, too, because he initiated the attack himself. Yeah. And he was off the front, and Nibbly jumped across to him. And Pino... Yeah, he's kind of notorious for having trouble on the descents. I I seem to remember his team last year or a couple years ago actually took him to a car racing track to try and help him tune up his line choices and things like that. Ah, so we're going to talk Lombardia. We're then we're going to talk about the new um, the new sponsor deal that has saved our good friends at uh, Cannondale Draypack. And that is the Education First deal. We're going to talk with Alex about that, how that came together, what it was like being a part of it. Uh, Then we have some fun segments to get to at the end of this episode, which I think these segments might become regular additions. Some new ones. Yeah, some new ones. Good for the off-season, too. Got some stuff to talk about in the off-season. Some user-generated content, Yeah, as they say. Join the conversation, guys. Hashtag join the conversation. Uh, Well, we may talk about some cyclocross in there because, uh, as Spencer mentioned, we do have this new national series we can catch people up crosses here crosses here and um and then we're gonna bring it on home and let you get back to your day so guys let's get back to it tour of lombardy nibbly wins first of all i gotta say this win quietly uh did really good things for the bahrain marita team because you know throughout this season i was looking at bahrain marita and saying okay here's this new team on the scene they have big deep coffers deep pockets and didn't really do a whole lot in the early part of the season. Now, though, you can look back and say, wow, they were on two Grand Tour podiums and they won a monument. That's a pretty good string of results for a first-year team. Won a Giro stage, won a Vuelta stage as well. Yeah. So, And it's it's all one guy, so, you know. (laughs) Yeah, Nibali, let's see. He's got one, two, three, four of their major wins. Yeah. Thanks to Pro Cycling Stats. Team Team Nibali. Team Nibali. He's a good team. (laughs) Not a bad team. I wouldn't bet against him. Um. Everyone, like, this is one of those, so, so Lombardy was one of those races where everybody had their, had like picked Nibali to be the favorite coming in, and yet he ends up winning. Um, how does that happen? You know, it's like, I, I sometimes have those questions with uh, pro cycling, where it's like, the guy that everybody knows is going to be on form, and the course that fits him really well, so ev- everyone should have their eyes on him, and yet he still is able to come away with the victory. Alex, any thoughts on that? Any, any way to school us dummy neophytes on how that actually happens? I mean, sometimes you're just better. Yeah. You know? 
Well, it's, you were saying how hard this why. race is, right? It's the hardest race in the world. Easily. The hardest race in the world. Yeah, it's hard, harder than that race uh, where they made that Disney movie, Hidalgo. Mm. Yeah, that was a race, I think. Uh, Across the desert with the horses. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. That was a tough one. I think he had to eat his horse or something. I don't know. Maybe he didn't. I, I guess harder what, than that, though, for the, sure. What I'm getting at is sometimes I think if the race is especially hard, you just can't, you you can't can do anything about it, right? No. It's, yeah. It's just, no. And, I mean, so we were talking about Pinot going down those hills. You also have to remember he's not Italian. You know, Nibali's willing to die out there. You know, let's see. If he goes down, come down those hills, he's a hero. Yeah. If Pinot goes down... Just some Frenchman. Like, everyone's like, what, where'd Pinogo? He left France and then he never came back. <laughs> well, speaking of taking risks, what's your opinion of this sort of really, uh, really famous now corner that, that uh, the quick step guy, Lawrence the Plus, crashed over the edge? I mean, is this too dangerous? Is this, is this corner something they need more, uh, I don't know, they need more marshals out there to warn them? What's the, what, what, what can be done about it? Uh, I mean, it'd be nice having someone telling you to slow down in every corner, but if that was the case, you'd never slow down in any corner. Um, That's a good point. That particular corner, I, w- I would think that they would have known about it beforehand because um, a lot of the, that, that race is more or less, it's decided on the climbs, or it's made on the climbs, but it's decided on the downhills, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, the downhills are probably just as important as the climbs uh, for the people trying to win it. So you would you'd think that they would uh, have watched some video of stuff like that, you know. But that's that one. That one's pretty gnarly, and it's got a pretty bad drop. Maybe they should put like some nets there. Give them Bouncy some, castle. Yeah, maybe some parachutes. Yoga mats. Yeah. We uh, in the Vela News show, we came up with all sorts of good um, soft landing materials for slippery corners a few episodes back. I like the bouncy castle. Yeah, I think personally. it was for the tour time trial, weren't we mm-hmm. talking about that one? So, Alex, you raced this race on several occasions um, several years back. You know, before we got started here, you said you thought it was one of the toughest, if not the toughest, one day race you've ever done. Why is that? Let's let's get into it. Talk to me about your experiences with the Tour of Lombardy and why it's so hard. Um, I mean, there's there's a ton of climbing in it. Yeah, there's no recovery on the downhills. Uh, the weather's oftentimes bad. Uh, the Italians are, are all very talented and very motivated and you come to the end of the season like that and they, they just throw everything at it. Um, it really, the whole race, you, you saw this year, um, you know, the attacks were just bam, 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 bam for the last, I don't know, hundred K or so. Um, and before that, the parts you don't see on TV, the, I mean, trying to get in that breakaway, I'm sure it was insane. The year I did it, we were in four or five different groups after 12 K, um, and the, the last group was a minute and a half back after 12K, which I don't understand the physics of that, but it was the reality because I had to s- sit up and wait for that group, uh, which contained all of our leaders at, at the time. Oops. <laughs> Oopsies. Thanks, Dan Martin and Hegedal. Tactical fail. Not this year, though. I mean, Rigoberto Urán was, was in the mix this year. Yeah. It was and, good to see him up there. And, yeah. and like you mentioned, I would think another big part of it is it comes at a strange time of the season. People are on varying levels of fitness. I mean, if you're a guy who started his year racing in April or March, it's like, how do you try and come around to peak or be on any type of decent fitness here in the beginning of October. Um, like, do, do you have any memories of that? Just feeling like you were out of gas after a long season? Oh, man. So I did Worlds in 2013. I was I was pretty good. I think I was, I don't know, my, my typical like 30th or something. Um, 
And then I showed up to Lombardia. I did everything right in between. I was like, all right, I'm going to be all right here. And uh, I pulled out after like six caffeine gels and 160K, and I took everything out of everybody else's rain bags, put on, put on all their clothes. So I had like nine jackets on, and I just fell asleep in the car. And, and the, the car that was driving, and you have cor- you know corners like Lawrence DePluce was trying to go around. It's like, I don't know how I slept the whole time. And I woke up, and they're like, you have to go to the airport. I was like, what? You didn't wake me up to take a shower on the bus? And it's like, no, you were asleep. We thought you let you sleep. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was lights out. The season was over. I mean, that was... That's, so that's did you go to the I airport was. in your kit? Uh, well, I changed in the car on the way over to the okay. airport. <laughs> yeah, I'm envisioning Alex waiting in line to check in with in his kit, like just eating a bunch of old gels. Yeah. <laughs> just well, like, it's cool. I'm a pro bike racer. They might let you cut in line. The Italians, they like cyclists. It's, it's yeah. True. Num, 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 yeah. num. Could you be a really, good move if you don't want to take plane. advantage of that, though, you know. That's a good point. Could, yeah. get, could get weird. You got to respect it. Yeah. So in the 2000, <laughs> 2017 edition, we see this group come into the final few climbs and... Um, yeah, you know, Rigoberto Aran was active, Julian Alaphilippe was active, Thibaut Pino, he's firing off bullets. Um, and then it's Nibali attacks and just, you know, Pino, he catches Pino and the two embark on this descent together. And it's very clear from the onset of the descent that one man is just a much superior descender than the other one. And Alex, I'm curious if you've ever been in that situation before where, there, where you are either the hammer or the nail in a descending situation and how you handle being each one? Um, it's actually Lombardia, first time I did it. Um, I do remember going past Pete Stetna and he was doing about 12K an hour. And I'm not exaggerating when I say I was doing about 85K an hour. And I passed him with half an inch and it, it took him a good three months before we were okay in the same room. He was pretty mad at me for that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that was the that was the hammer, and uh, that feels good, you know. You have the that that uh, that flow, that matrix connection to the the alternate universe. <laughs> um, but when you're the nail, if you're not already on the ground, um, it's just an awful feeling, you know. Maybe you you had a bad day the day before, or you're a little hungry, feeling a little bonky, and then you're trying to go around these corners, and people are just going away from you, and everyone looks at you like you're an idiot, or like that, you know, that poor soccer mom in the driveway, in the parking lot at Whole Foods that has like three kids going off in the back of the car, and you know, you, you got like a sick mom or something, and you're just like, trying to park your car and I was like yeah. get out of the way <laughs> you're the cycling version of that you're the cycling version yeah. of that you're like I didn't ask to be like this okay like I've <laughs> I've done this better before like leave me alone Do you, is it ever a tactical move to get on the front if you know you're going to be slow on the descent especially a tight descent like that to perhaps control it and keep a guy from Nibbly from riding you off his wheel at least for the first part before he gets fed up and uh, passes you within a half an inch <laughs> Uh, I mean, I've, I've seen some people do it, but I don't think it usually works out very well. It's not like mountain biking. Yeah, you know? kind of frowned upon probably yeah. as well. You don't just get kind of like pushed to the bushes. You probably get, you know, axed to the axe to the brick wall. So, mm. And then when you're trying to follow someone who may be a bit better, I mean, how? what is the advantage of just trying to follow their line, just saying, okay, I'm going to, okay, Nibali, let's see what you can do. I'm going to follow you through this winding, twisting roller coaster of a descent. I mean, is that is that possible or is that sometimes just uh, more than 
humanly. I mean, know, physics possible. are physics, you know. Yeah. It's like if you know you have pretty good tires and more or less the same that they have. Yeah, you can. Again, it's not like mountain biking. It's like there's no obstacles really coming up, so you break when they break, and you you, you just kind of hang on. Except you, the one speed bump that nibbly hopped on that descent. I don't know if you guys saw that yeah, part of it. That was slim. pretty zesty. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, if he hops, you hop. But yeah. you know. Well, maybe but, that's for uh, the 2018 edition. They can put some jumps on it. Yeah. You know? Nice. I mean, you know, really trying to court like Red Bull or Monster Energy I th- I as think a sponsor. Deplus yeah. went off. They could have some sort of like a, a ramp to the next section of road yeah. down below. Just a little transfer. Yeah, a little little wormhole mm-hmm. action. Just Mario Kart <laughs> over style the, over the top. All right. Um, that photo of Deplus's bike in a tree. Did everybody see that one? Like when people say that cycling is, I don't know, some wussy sport, I just want to be able to show them that and say like, yeah, man, you know, you misjudge <laughs> one of those corners, your bike's going to end up in a tree. Uh, so I don't, I don't want to try and one up to Plus. Uh-oh, okay. let's hear it. This is not a well-known story, but I went off a road like that and Pays Basque 2013 maybe again, and I was the one in the tree and my bike was down below and there was, there was no cameras. I would it say... It was just one moto guy and he came over like I... <laughs> When I was climbing up the the, the embankment, he uh, he looked like he was looking at a ghost. <laughs> I would say you did just one up Lawrence the Pluse. Ooh, uh, Alex House, but is a tougher cyclist than Lawrence the Pluse. One upper, yeah, I like yeah. it. I would, but I would to be say fair, well. if it's if it's on TV, then uh, he gets the credit. Mm, yep, so. that's a good point. Before we get off the topic, YouTuber it didn't happen. Better YouTuber to be happen. better to be in the tree or on the ground. Mm. Uh, in the tree, yeah, I came I out way so. better than the Pluse did. Yeah, I had like a little bump on my. Kind of my kidney region. Mm-hmm. I had my eyes closed the whole time. I, like I opened my eyes and I was like, I, I think I'm either dead or I'm a bird. <laughs> like, what am I <laughs> doing up here? I don't know what I'm doing up here. Yeah. Well, Alex, we're glad you landed in that tree. I was going to say you have some sick ninja-like monkey skills to be able to just like mid-air, you know, nope. grab onto a tree. Nope. But it sounds like it was nope. dumb luck. Pure luck. Pure luck. Pure luck. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lady Luck, for yeah. keeping Alex Howes around for another few seasons. Luck and skill, hard to distinguish between the two. Um, any final thoughts on Lombardia? I mean, you know, my takeaway is, yeah, like, whatever. Nibali salvaged <laughs> his season. His season was already okay. He didn't win a grand tour. But to be able to close it out with a big monument win, um, especially on a course where everyone knew he was the favorite coming into it, like, you know, way to go, guy. That's something to deliver when yeah. the pressure is on like that. It's... It's not easy to go into a race an outright favorite and actually deliver. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Chapeau. Chapeau to that guy. Uh, Moving on, guys, we want to revisit a story that we had discussed on the Villainous Podcast a few episodes back, which was Cannondale Draypack and the saga that led to Education First coming on board as title sponsor, future owner, savior, company that uh, takes kids overseas for study broad programs, and employ cyclists. Um, and Alex, we have you here, and I wanted to get your perspective inside of the story of what it was like being on the inside of this, oh, two and a half, three-week span of news from when you heard that there was this budgetary deficit to when this company came on board, what that roller coaster was like. Oh, it was a little bit stressful. Okay. It wasn't really much of a roller coaster. It's more, uh, well, I guess, yeah, once they came on board, that, that's part of the roller coaster. But for the most part, it was down, down, very steep, down roller <laughs> yep. coaster. Um, one way roller coaster. One way, one way roller coaster until EF Education first came on. And then, uh, 
Yeah, then, then we hit a little trough there. We've just been going up since. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think most people could imagine, you know. I mean, think you have a job and then you don't have a job and you're like, oh, should I be going to community college? Should I be signing up? Is it too late? Is it too late in the semester? Can I still get on board? I only missed the first week. Is there a lot of chatter between teammates in, in that situation where you're like texting or rumors, things like that? Or, or do you all kind of keep to yourselves? Um, there's a bit of chatting, but honestly, there, <laughs> there weren't a lot of rumors uh, to be had. Um, you know, I think Vodders and uh, Doug Ellis were working pretty hard to to find a new sponsor. And when you're burning the candle at four different ends trying to make it happen, it's, you know, sleeping two hours a night for two weeks straight. Um you're not exactly texting the boys minute by minute updates. You know, it's like, hey, hey guys, I went to a meeting today and it it sounds okay. <laughs> so, I mean, really, uh, we knew about as much as everybody knew through JV's Twitter, uh, which I don't blame the guy for. So, when you get the initial news from JV, hey, we've had this sponsor fallout. Um, you know, the team is in a potentially bad financial situation um you know riders who are able to find a new gig for next year should go and try and do so did you do that i mean did you start shaking the trees around the pro peloton seeing what else was out there oh i mean you have to shake the trees um you know i wanted to stay with the team and but if there's no team then (laughs) yeah like i said it's either shake the trees and find somewhere else or you know go back to college or something yeah um so I was exploring multiple different options. I mean, I would imagine that the tough part is that it's late in the season at that point. I mean, it comes down to uh, August. A lot of contracts have been signed already. Yes and no. Um, I mean, honestly, as far as teams folding or potentially folding, uh, this is a pretty good situation. Uh, you know, they could have kept it under the rug quite a bit longer if they wanted to. And, we could have had a, another Pegasus situation where you have, you know, 25 guys unemployed in December uh, with really no shot at salvaging anything. Um, so I think they're as open and transparent as they could be, and we could ask them to be. And I don't know. Really, who cares? It worked out. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so. I guess I'm more curious just from a personal and emotional standpoint of, I mean, you know, being gainfully employed in this great job that you've spent your whole life trying to get to and then um, finding out that, you know, there's a potential that it may go away and the emotional impact that that could have on someone. Um, I mean, you know, were you like listening to Morrissey and crying (laughs) every night? Were you, you know, going hanging out in the blacklight room and, you know, having a medicinal moment? I mean, we're in Colorado. (laughs) I mean, you know, what's going on here? How are you Uh, dealing with that? I think the hard part was, was there wasn't a whole lot of time to deal with it emotionally Uh, because we were racing, you know, you have a job to do. Um, Going, we had races up in Canada, um, Alberta and Montreal, Quebec, and, you know, we had stuff to get done. Um, So there wasn't a whole lot of time to... uh, really reflect on it it's it is tough to be you know smashing out intervals when you you're like you know am i doing this just for next week <laughs> or is there a future here you know what are we doing this for <laughs> so it's but, a good question what are we doing what this are for? we doing this for for all the fans on the Velo News podcast yeah. who are tuned in uh 
come here for some takes and some story time. There we go. But at the end of the day, that's what it's all about is the fans, you know. And that's kind of what saved the team. Yeah. Um, well, when I say kind of, I mean that's really what inspired EF Education First. Come on, was the was the crowdfunding and the people coming on and saying, "Hey, we uh, we don't hate these guys. We'll give them a couple bucks." Um, and from the sounds of it, it sounds like Bellinus helped out with that. You know, we put a, a link on our website. A lot of people went through that link apparently. So yeah, you know, good job. Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. I owe you. Partial owner <laughs> Fred Dreyer. Yeah. So let's talk about that since we kind of are a little bit responsible for saving you, Alex. I think we can probably, you know, ask you do some do some stuff for us. Uh, yeah, that's next true. season. Uh, maybe you could uh, tow us into some Strava KOMs so we could try and get some KOMs around town <laughs> I like here. It. I like uh, it. Good luck. A little bit of uh, I don't know what else. Could he, maybe he could uh, hand us some bottles and the local Cat Three crits. I just think you should um, mount hatchets to all of our uh, test bicycles for the gear guide. <laughs> yep, be useful to have a hatchet. Never uh, know. You yeah. might you might just only get a free podcast out of it. So yeah. co-hosting duties. Hey, I like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, you're free uh, for uh, the next couple months on Tuesdays, aren't you? Yeah, Tuesdays work. Okay, yeah. there okay. we go. Um, Alex, have you perused the Education First website? Because I have, and um, I'm curious if you like signed up for any like gap year programs or like <laughs> you know you're gonna go to Spain and do a language program or something like that. No. Well, the funny thing is, I, I feel like my whole life has been an EF Education First study abroad program. Yeah, you know, I just kind of go abroad for three months at a time and fight my way through various languages and you know try and absorb as much culture uh as possible so i mean yeah i think it's a pretty unique program i think it's pretty cool i don't know i think if kids don't get out there and you know get out of their neighborhoods then they they just turn into little brats. It's true. I mean, I was <laughs> bragging about the study abroad program I did in college to uh, Kaylee and Spencer a couple weeks back. Yeah, you really like to lord that over us. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I mean, these two obviously turned into little brats. They grew out of it at some point. They grew yeah. out of it at some point. Well, they got out of, they got out of their houses. You know, uh, to be fair, you don't have to go all the way to Greece or something to to get out of your neighborhood. It's just all about travel. Just inspire, get on your bike. Inspire travel. Yeah, get on your bike. That could be step one to doing an EF education first uh, tour. Mm-hmm. Get on your bike. Go to the next town. See how they talk over there. <laughs> Denver. I don't know. Denver. I might like have it. to do some uh, start with up on my vocabulary if I'm going to go down to Denver. I like it. Um, okay. Well, we uh, are happy that the sponsors come on to save the team, save Alex's job, uh, even though I think that you would have made a hell of a podcast co-host going forward for <laughs> Villainies. Keep it. Keep that in mind. All right, I will. Okay, guys. This week's episode of the Vel News Podcast presented by PowerTap, maker of the P1 pedals. Again, these pedals are perhaps the most versatile power meter out there on the market. You can travel with them, move them from one bike to the next, and they are very durable. Something that you see with power meters that are built into pedals is they tend to be a little on the fragile side not the p1 you can smack them with rocks sticks curbs and they will keep on ticking for more information go to powertap.com slash newsletter okay back to the show Ah, 
guys. Well, that was a lot of fun. Um, before we get out of here, it's the off season, Spencer. What's going on in bike racing right now? A lot of cross. Lot cross, of cross is here. Cross is here. And that's true. And uh, we'll talk about that throughout the fall and into the winter. Yeah, we got this new um, Show Air US Cup CX series. We've had two rounds of it so far. And I got to say, Tobin Ortenblad. Mr. McTubbin on Twitter, he's crushing it. He's won three of the four races in the men's series. And in the women's series, Katie Keough, formerly Katie Antino, she's won three of the four women's races. So Young guns. Young guns, really coming out right now. If you check out uh, velonews.com, we've had lots of stories about how there seems to be a generational shift going on in cyclocross right now, Alex. I mean, you know, the big guns from when we were following cross 10 years ago, like Tim Johnson, Mark Gullickson... Uh, John Page, the guys that I'm used to cheering for, they've all kind of moved on, on to bigger and better things. Fred, you're so old school. I know. Yeah. So yeah. now it's like uh, Kerry Werner. And yeah, he's a strong one. McTubbin. I uh, like, yeah, I think we should call, call him Toby O. Toby O. Toby O. McTubbin's a little like, because that was like when he was, I think, a little softer, a little, uh-huh. a little more doughy. Mm. Now he's, he's ripped. He's shredding it. He's cut and quick. There we go. A lot of fast guys and gals out there. Uh, all right, before we get to the end of it, though, we have some new segments. We have some segments we got to blitz through before wrapping up this podcast. Uh, you know, talking about descending and how to handle descents really got me thinking of Cat 3 advice because I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you, the, dis- the spectrum of descending in your typical Cat 3 field, pretty, pretty, pretty broad. I tend to be on the... Uh, bad side. Well, but still, I mean, we're Cat 3s, Fred, so I'm sure we have lots of good advice on all sorts of matters. And in fact, uh, a couple podcasts ago, we solicited Ask a Cat 3 questions from our listeners. Oh, that's right. Yes. User-generated Cat 3s. Did you forget this already? Yeah, maybe. Come on, Fred. You know. (laughs) So here's the deal. We've got a bunch of Ask a Cat 3 questions, and Alex here is going to pose them to us because he's not a Cat 3, so obviously I don't think he'd be equipped to really answer these questions. I am, I am equipped to ask Cat 3s. So. There we go, yeah. And so we want you to get in on the action. So hit us up on Twitter, at VeloNews, hashtag AskACat3. Mm. Give us your Ask a Cat 3s for next week. We'll, we'll run through them next week. Uh, you can also email us, webletters at competitorgroup.com. We want those Ask a Cat 3s. Get them in. So here we go. Alex, start us off with some questions. Hey, at Spino Power Legs. That's and me. At Velo News. Can I, hashtag Ask a Cat 3, pre race taper nutrition strategy? Ooh. I'm never sure which of the below is best. Normal diet, Horner esque Big Mac carb up. Hmm. Not a bad choice. Or total fasting, look lean. Ooh, well. I'm going to go fasting. Yeah. Yep. No food. Well, so that's going to get the intimidation factor going because you're going to roll up to the race like looking so lean, just like so ripped and cut. Or at the pre-race pasta feed, you're like, nah, I'm good. Just a few pieces of lettuce. That's true. (laughs) I got to say, though, um, you know, if you are going into a race, you're looking for abnormal amounts of strength and energy. So I think you got to go with an abnormally big uh, pre-race meal. So I like to say drink a lot of Coke, maybe like seven or eight PB&Js, oh. and then some Twizzlers, you know, that that sugar, like really fast energy. Twizzlers are so, strawberries, so yeah, that's vitamins. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just load up. Nice. All but, right, what, what's next, Alex? Probably worked for McTubbin. <laughs> there we go. He, cat, he catted up past the Cat 3s. Um, Velo News, Cross is coming, but I have no Cross bike. What do I do? Mm. Hashtag Ask a Cat 3. Mm-hmm. This is when you start to like really throw your weight around and you go into the local bike shop and you're like, hey guys, listen, 
uh, I've got some pretty serious results on the road from this last summer. I think you guys need to give me one of those cross bikes so I can represent your shop in the races this this fall. Yeah, just like uh, just talk yourself up. Uh, this is what I did one year when I didn't have a cross bike, but I wanted to try out cross. Was I got an old Richie breakaway and I took it over to former uh, Vel News Tech editor Matt P. Matt P's house and oh, it, let's just call him M Pasoka. We'll I don't want I don't want to like give away the identity because the bike had pretty good clearance. So we threw um, some uh, cross tires onto it and they rubbed against the frame. <laughs> Jeez. So got out some scissors and started cutting the uh, cutting the side knobs. Custom off. knob. Cut. Yep. Yep. Smart. Didn't right. work. Then. Did not work. <laughs> yeah, well, worth trying. All right, Alex. What's next? Okay, I'm a late forties cat four, and I've never bothered catting up. I could be a late breaking pro, of course. Is it worth catting up? Definitely. You Do sound it. like some of the guys I raced against in New York City. Uh, late 40s, real ambitious, wanting to cat up, think they could be a pro. And I would always tell them, sure, buddy, you totally can. Do it. Do it. <laughs> and also watch that Icarus document, documentary. Maybe you get some ideas. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, my cat three advice is, yes, of course, you can be a pro cyclist. Uh, anyone can be a pro. Yeah. Right, Alex? Right, Come Alex? On. It's not that yeah. hard, is it? And if nothing else... You could always be a Cat 3. Yeah. Ah, so, you could start All right. There. I think this is our last uh, Cat 3 question here for the week. All right. All right. Um, at Villainies, does it feel better to drop an amateur rider if they're wearing Rafa? Hashtag ask a Cat 3. Ooh. I mean, I say no. I like to drop an amateur rider when they're wearing like some faded team kit from the region that you ride in that like used to be a big team from like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So they're like, yeah, man, I used to be on team GS Chow. And you're like, take that GS Chow. Bam, you're dropped. (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'd say, you know, yeah, it does feel kind of good to to drop a guy if they're in Rafa because then you, you can sort of be like, hey, you know. You can buy that stuff, but I got mine at a 10% discount, so... Oh, so it's kind of like class warfare. Yeah, you're, you're like, like, I got my kit for 20% off, so uh, what do you think? Like, hey, rich guy, you can't stay with me on the climbs. I win at life. <laughs> Always makes you feel good about yourself. All right, Ask a Cat 3. Hit us up with your Ask a Cat 3s for next week. Hashtag Ask a Cat 3 at Vela News on Twitter or webletters at competitorgroup.com for email. Awesome. Okay. Next segment of the show, we're moving on to podiums. That's right. We're going to each week come up with our top three, or if it's a mountain bike podium, our top five. Everyone loves that cheater podium. Special occasions. Uh, for various topics related to pro cycling. Spencer, what's Any our? cycling, for that matter. Any cycling. Yeah. Pro, amateur, goofball. I'm Cat three. Cat three. Uh, Spencer, what's our what's our podium question or a topic? All right. Our first, this week? yeah, our first olive out of the jar, so to speak, is going to be Top three, the podium of Grand Tour Climbs. We'll start with a kind of easy one okay. here to ease into our podium season. And uh, we're going to also be posting our, our podium picks on Twitter and get you guys voting on who had the best picks mm. for the Velo News podium of a given week. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, Grand Tour Climbs, what's your podium, Fred? So in third place on my podium, I have the Umbrail Pass which is regularly used in the Giro d'Italia. Mm. They used it this year. I am picking it because I had the pleasure of riding up the Umbriel Pass one year. And just like the amount of, uh, just like the amount of engineering that goes into the switchbacks on that road. <laughs> I was like, wow, you never see anything like this in the States. It's almost like people like really thought about how they wanted to build this road. Uh, it was very challenging. Very I think beautiful. their goats thought about how they wanted to build that road. That's true. I think the goats were engineers. Uh, moving on, second place, the Col de la Croix. 
from the Tour de France. I didn't get to ride up it, but I drove up it. It was so steep that the minivan I was in, like I thought the clutch was just going to explode. And there was a lot of contador written on the uh, pavement. So there you go. Always makes for a good battle. How is that spelled? Col de la Croix. Like like La Croix, you know, like those. It's like the fizzy water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ask is that where is it? Is there a magic La Croix fountain? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, they named the coal after the the, soda. The pass was named after the calorie-free soda that we're going to find out in ten years is poisoning all all of our insides. Ooh, sponsorship opportunity. La Croix, hit us up. (laughs) Um, And then number one, I gotta say, you know, just because it's on the tip, it's it's on my brain after last month. The Anglerou. I knew it. I knew you'd say Anglerou. I knew it. Anglerou. Yep. God, I've never, I've never ridden up it. I've never seen it. Just watched people struggle up it. Watched a lot of guys from the early 2000s climb it in their big rings. Um, you know, <laughs> just, just a great, great spectacle for bicycle racing. That's good. All that's right, good. that's my podium. Spencer, what's on your podium? Should I go, or do you want to go, Alex? Go uh, for it, buddy. You gotta say that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. And you can't pick any of the ones you already picked. Oh no. Yeah. Fair, I'm gonna pick all fair the ones warning. You guys already picked. Fair warning. Well, how are people going to vote on it if we all pick the same ones? Oh, See, it's a okay. system. Okay, my podium. I uh, so I'll start off in Italy. Okay. I think uh, I think I'm going to say the Stelvio. Just all time classic, beautiful images. Gotta love the Stelvio. Anytime some like stupid extreme sport wants to make a video of them doing something, they go to the Stelvio and they're like, look, skateboarders or guy who has wheels glued to his chest yeah. or like, I don't know, razor scootering, extreme. Razor scootering. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think my number two on my podium with Grand Tour Climbs is, I'm going to say the Izuar, the cold Izuar. Wrote it this summer. It was uh, unbelievable. This huge stone massif, this big rock mountain in the background it's very dramatic i was uh, on top of it this summer couldn't get anywhere near the top that's how many freaking fans are up there for the tour yeah it's very cool womp, womp, womp. um and then i'm gonna say uh i'm gonna say that the the, the giant de provence ah yeah i'm on ventoux oh yeah not part of the major uh mountain ranges but i think uh i think ventoux is number one for me it's just so epic and it's just so unique and it gets windy so, you, have you ridden it? I have ridden it. That's, well, that's well, an early one. Do you have any like good stories from, I don't know, having to like stop on the side of the road and like take a poop or something? Uh, like that? No pooping, no. Um, I did it with my wife, and she's quite a good cyclist. Yep. And it was just hilarious because um, the Europeans, for as enlightened they, as they are in some ways, they are a bit uh, chauvinistic when it comes to cycling. Ooh. And it was really enjoyable to pass some of these Euro cyclist guys, and they get all bent out of shape because a woman is passing them on a climb, and then they just drill it to try and ride with us and blow up on the climb. It's pretty funny. She didn't even have an e-bike. No e-bikes. No, no e-bikes. e-bike. Nope. All right, Alex, give us your podium. Oh, no. I don't know if I can think of three other climbs. Um, oh, come on. I think the hardest climb I ever did uh, was the Hodakan. Mm. Um, and that wasn't necessarily the terrain. It was just awful. Mm. Um, that was that was probably Nibali's fault as well. Um Stupid nibbly. It's so long. It's so long. Um, the Col de Juplan. Juplan. All right. That hurts. That thing is super steep. Um, it's always hot in the summer. Oh, evil hot. And then, uh, you know, I'm just going to stay all in France. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Shots fired at Shots Italy fired. and Spain. Take that, Spain. Wow. Yeah. Um, I got to say Alpe d'Huez just because ah. no one's saying it. I and knew. I knew someone had to say it. 
and it's just too it's too good looking honestly it's really good looking and i don't i don't think it gets as much credit as some people well a lot of people don't give it enough credit it's it's hard i was hard. there everyone the says year it's just pretty but it's hard when tj almost won he was so close yeah. that was an exciting ah, stage god yeah. it just right at the end there yeah did you race that tour that was 2012 no 13 no, no i don't think so no hmm. i had it i had an off year yeah, you were too busy racing uh, in Lombardia and buzzing Pete Stetna. I like I like doing the year on year off thing with the tour. You know, you get too many gray hairs if you do it every year. It's probably bad for your heart. You're looking good. Well, I see a couple gray hairs. There's a couple in there. Bad radio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we would love your feedback on what we talked about today. You can email us at webletters at competitorgroup.com. We'll also post links to the stories we talked about today on VeloNews.com. And also, you got to vote on Twitter oh, yeah. for our Velo News podium. Velo News podium. Vote for it vote out to us uh subscribe to the vel news podcast on itunes stitcher or google play and while you're there please leave us a comment and a rating become a fan of vel news on facebook at facebook.com slash magazine and follow us on twitter at twitter.com slash vel news vel news podcast is produced by vel news which is owned by the competitor group the thoughts and opinions expressed on the vel news podcast even those of alex house are those of the individual and as always we leave you with the brooklyn boogaloo blowout playing the bernard purdy classic soul drums 